Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. Oilers Now for our title sponsor, Digitex. They wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy uh, office technology and software. Well, I know about two months ago I put a poll out, maybe it was three months ago, uh, who would you vote for? Uh, for the next Prime Minister of Canada. And we uh, had two of our guests on Thursday's shows, George LaRock and Brian Burke, and they are our two guests in this hour. I, I listed Justin Trudeau, and I mentioned uh, a rising uh, star in the uh, PCs as well. And Brian Burke won. Brian Burke got the most votes here in Edmonton. I think that kind of says it all. But uh, we are pleased to be going off to our... Uh, River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar, Brian Burke. Brian, how are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. Did you ever think of going into politics? You know, I got approached when I got fired in Vancouver. I got approached by a political party and asked to run in a riding in West Van. And I said, no, I'm I'm not political. I wouldn't last a week. Um, you know, I, that's part of... And in the book, I say that I'm not kissing babies. I'm not seeking approval, not looking for votes. But that's very flattering for anyone who voted for me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's. Uh, I, I mentioned a piece that had appeared on, on a very neutral uh, publication, nonpartisan today. Uh, the national populism is here to stay. It's about uh, what's occurred down in the United States. And it is, like, the reality is, this is the number one story in the world. Like, you know what? COVID has been the number one story, which says a lot about 2020. But over the last couple of days, the number one story in the world has been the U.S. election. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's really a shame. I mean, I, I voted in the election and uh, by absentee ballot by mail, and uh, I couriered. I didn't take any chance out of getting lost in the mail. I couriered to my the town where I last lived in the U.S. and how I get to vote. So I know my vote counted, but the divide in the country is just so pronounced right now. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I think you know, and I'm not going to sit here and. Hey, I mean, Canadians, we've got our own, I mean, we have a lot of regional disparity in this country as well, Brian. You know that 33 of the 34 uh, federal seats in the province of Alberta are conservative, and we have a liberal government. So there's no better illustration than that. I think all of the seats in Saskatchewan are conservatives as well. Now, here's the thing. This is a hockey show. Does the U.S. election result potentially affect the National Hockey League? Yeah, it does. And... and I steadfastly avoid political topics, um, and I explained that. I was on a show earlier uh, this week, and I explained why I'm not weighing in on this stuff. Is I figure if people want political news or news news, they'll tune into a different show than this show. Right. And we, we don't want to divide our audience. So you, you say I'm in favor of this, then right away we got to. So I do avoid it. Not in my life. I vote. I make political contributions. I'm an activist that way. But in my career, I'm a sportscaster. 
it does impact us because the current administration cannot get this virus under control. And so the U.S. border, Canada is not going to open the border to the U.S. anytime soon. So if there is a, cha- a regime change, and that's not clear yet, uh, I think it does help the NHL in terms of the border. I think there will be much more rigid crackdown on COVID-19, and that will result in the border o- border opening up sooner, which we need for pro sports. Uh, we do have an excl- uh, you know, an acceleration of the positivity rates throughout the country right now. I know it's very concerning to a lot of people. Um, you know, that said, Edmonton, you know, is under, I think, 130 deaths, so, which is that's still 130 too many people that, that have passed away. But the fact of the matter is, you know, I think Alberta's at like 340. The country's at about 10,300. Uh, the numbers are a concern. How closely do you think the league is monitoring the fact that the positivity rates have increased all across Canada here uh, with COVID over the last month or so? Well, I think they're concerned, but we're still, we, when I say we, Royal We Canada, we're still doing way better than they are south of the border. And positivity rates are up. I think there's a direct link to Thanksgiving weekend. I think the spike is a natural after people let their guard down and gather together. I think you'll see a similar spike in the U.S. after U.S. Thanksgiving. So, uh, it, it's we got to keep fighting this fight. We got to stay vigilant. We still got to we got to keep fighting this thing. You still at a hundred percent? We're playing. Yeah. Yep. You're, you haven't wavered on that at all. All right. Well, let's get to some specifics about uh, just uh, and, and we're gonna have a fun, some fun a little bit later on, but just some specifics about the orders. The orders and a dominant cone. Okay. They signed him to a one year deal. So basically, since the end of December last year, the Oilers recall Yamamoto. They've now signed Turris, Ennis, Cahoon, and brought Poliarvi back and completely changed the complexion of their top nine. And I think, Brian, you would admit there were stretches in the first half last season where Edmonton was simply not deep enough up front. The argument is, Mark Spector put this out there, that Edmonton has built too soft of a top. Uh, you know, their forwards are too soft. You can't win in the playoffs with that. I might assert they might have the puck more. Uh, and I think if you have committed players, you don't have to have a bunch of baggage smashers. And Ken Holland still has two and a half or three more months before we even will be playing in the NHL. Plus, we got a trade deadline coming up. And maybe you can get a fourth-line center for a fourth or fifth-round draft choice at the deadline. But, do you, you know, do you like what Edmonton's done by sort of rebuilding their five through nine forwards in the organization to give them the chance to maybe tilt the ice a bit more 5v5? Yes, I mean, you don't have much choice when you've got that much money invested in your top two guys. So you've got to do some bargain basement shopping, right? you got to you have to get some guys in there on entry-level contracts or low NHL deals that can do the job. I like Cahoon. I like I like the job Kenny's done uh, putting together a different group, a little more skilled group. And I think Mark Spector's comment's probably accurate, but again, I, I've I'm going to put these teams side by side when the season begins and make those final judgments. But I, I don't think he's wrong. I mean, the, the one thing is everyone knows I like it rough, but if you watch the playoffs this year and last year, they're playing long pants hockey by the time you get to the second round. If your team can't bang, you can't win. By the time you get to the second round, by the time you get to the third and fourth round, it's essential. And right. I think the biggest difference between Dallas advancing – and not advancing was how badly they got beat up. They got out hit, and they didn't get a chance to. Tampa just took it to them. 
they ended up hurting the guys and they, they weren't able to compete physically that was the biggest difference yeah, I, I mean, obviously, look, we all know now Tyler Sagan was significantly injured. Uh, they didn't have Roddick Fox, who's an underrated third-line, uh, you know, third line, big third-line center for them. Uh, who else didn't play? One of their other guys was Well, Como good. got hurt. Right, and they lost another guy. Uh, one of the European guys got knocked out of the uh, playoffs yeah, as well. Hints. Yeah, so but they ended up. Yeah, and, hits. So to me... If you're if you're not if you're if you don't believe hitting is important, then you're not watching. But Kenny's got more time. He's still got a little bit of cash. There you go. Much. There you go. He's got more time, and that's now. Is the regular season game different than the playoff game now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to get to play. There's you, lots of flag. There's lots of flag football in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I and, and my here, here's my thing. The Oilers got caved in so bad, Brian. Five on five a year ago in the regular season, and they couldn't realistically, when a general manager sits and looks at his team and goes, well, we just had the best combined special teams in the last 40 years. Well, we could do that again. Or does the GM sit there and go, yeah, we're going to need to improve the team in some other areas because it's probably unlikely that we're going to be at a combined 113.9%. Is that a a realistic perspective to have? Absolutely. And it's like great goaltending. As a GM, nothing bothers you more than wasting excellent goaltending so your goaltender stands on his head gives you a chance and you lose four to two with an empty net goal you're cursing in the elevator on the way down like you can't waste that it's the same way with special teams when your special teams are special and you can't put wins together you have wasted the special teams and all looks good in the record book and people look back and say boy were they ever good on special teams but they didn't advance so you wasted it so yes that's a fair criticism to say okay Special teams are great. That's nice. We're in the NHL uh, the NHL media release every week that we're in the top two and special teams, great. But guess what? If you're not moving up in the standings, who cares? Hey, we had a moment. Uh, and for the listeners that are unaware, Brian Burke joining us for Canadian Power Pack. When you were with the Flames, your box was next to our broadcast location. And we had a moment where the first half of the game, you were the one cursing. And then in the second half of the game, when the when we were in commercial break, I was the one cursing. The Oilers got up 6-1 in that game, Brian. And Laurent Brassois was starting for the Oilers. And Johnny Goodrow scored two goals from the end line to get the Flames back into it. It was just a bizarre game. And I remember I, that game. I, I, actually, I, I think you laughed because Jack Michaels asked me, he said, Bob, what do the Oilers need to do? And I said, Edmonton cannot give up another shot on goal right now because it's going in. And they ironically didn't give up another shot for about the next four minutes. Those things, I mean, that's that's the range of emotion. It's It just it made me chuckle because, you know, you're a guy that shows a little bit of emotion. I think the fans like that about you. All right, let's have some fun. George LaRock is going to do a uh, – uh, George LaRock is going to – I don't know if it I, – I think this thing's for charity. I don't think it's super serious. But he might be doing a fight with uh, Mike Tyson. Now, Lyle Alzado fought Muhammad Ali, and that one was semi-serious. And then Muhammad Ali fought Dave Semenko, and that wasn't very serious back in the day. Uh, when I think – when I mention the name of Mike Tyson, what do you think of, Brian? Well, I remember when he burst on the scene, he was feared. It wasn't just the guys didn't want to fight him. They were afraid to fight him. They, this guy could end the, end the fight at any point in time with one punch and was reckless and fearless. I mean, 
and, and obviously it, it led to a short career. You can't. The smartest fighters uh, are not the boldest fighters, and, and Mayweather is probably the best example of that. But I mean, he was feared. But so was George. I, I'd hate to bet on that fight. When we played teams where George Rock was on the ice, I was nervous for our heavyweight. Remember when Fedoruk fought him in the '06 playoffs? Yeah. Like George. I mean, taught, the, the fridge was a tough kid, and uh, and he got hurt a couple times. He didn't get hurt in that fight. Showed up for you guys. You got, you brought Perelson the next year as well. You, so you you actually and the other guy uh, in Toronto that fought him, Brad May had to fight him one time after Brad May beat up Francois Bouillon, and I know you weren't very pleased about that. But uh, George George could just that knockout power made him a little bit lethal. Yeah, and he's skilled. Like like he had good technique. It wasn't just like when you fought George Larocque. You had the same risk of one punch could end the fight, so you had to be careful. But he was a good technical fighter, too. There's guys that are just brawlers, and there's other guys that are good technical fighters. And George had good technique and knockout capability and fearlessness. You know, like he was, he was happy to fight you. So I, I think George, first off, I think he's a great guy. But second, I think he was great in that role. I'd hate to try and bet on that fight. So you think if they, if they went into the ring... And if it was serious, you think George might actually have a chance against Tyson? Yeah, I do. Wow. I, I think he. I think he's capable. You just need to land one. It lands in the right place. Yeah. Well, and, and the one thing about George is he was the other thing on the ice. On the ice, he was strong. He was as yeah. strong as any. So he never really like he never got. He told me he never suffered a concussion from a fight. That's amazing to me. Uh, Mike Tyson was must watch TV. Does Edmonton have the must-watch TV guy in the NHL, Connor McDavid? Yeah, for me. For you? That's that's the, the... the best part of leaving Calgary is that I don't have to watch this guy all the time. <laughs> I love watching him, but I used to hold my breath. I told her this before. I would ha- I would hold my breath when he got the puck. And I watched Mark Giordano and TJ Brody turn and skate the same direction as Connor when they gave up the blue line so they'd have a chance at their blue line. I remember so have, the... At one point, you have... Five guys all skating in the same direction, Connor and his line mates and my two defensemen. <laughs> uh, the I think it was the second goal in the first game of the season in 2017-18, and he got up to like 27 or 28 uh, miles per hour on the rush, and he just blew right past Brody. And Brody's a pretty good defenseman, as you know, and it was just unbelievable the pace and the speed that he was going at. I don't know how much you watch other sports. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge NCAA and NFL fan. Uh, is there anybody that's must-watch TV for you in other sports that you're interested in? Um, no, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not that interested in any other sport right now. I like international rugby. I'm on the board of Rugby Canada. Um, I do like the NFL, but I don't watch as much as I'd like to. So, no, the Connor, Connor is, though. Yeah, who's the big the the big six foot four guy from New Zealand in rugby? Uh, passed away from a bizarre. Somebody will text us on the Ash. Jonah Lomo. Jonah Lomo. Yeah, Jonah Lomo. He was he was an absolute force. Uh, going I saw, back, I saw I saw him play live. I saw Zinzan Brook play live. I saw that I saw them destroy the All Blacks, destroy the American Eagles at Soldier Field about five years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, all their best athletes play rugby in New, in New Zealand, right? I mean, that's it's amazing that they didn't win the uh, the most. What a year ago! I think we were actually right around this time. 
the the world uh, uh, the world uh, cup was played. Brian, we love having you on the show. Uh, you're taking a couple weeks off. We'll maybe touch base first week of December. Does that sound good? Yep, perfect. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks, Bob. You bet. For Canadian Power Pack, Jonah Lamu, yeah. Wow, spectacular athlete. Uh, Sportsnet's Brian Burke is brought to you every Thursday, all season long, by our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar. You heard it. Uh, Brian's a big fan of rugby. I like rugby and soccer. I do. I do watch the World Cup. Guy by the name of Sandy Nesbitt, uh, who's uh, some of you old timers certainly will remember Sandy from uh, the restaurant business back in the day. Uh, he coined. Uh, he had one of the uh, what do they call it? The greatest uh, company slogans of all time. Uh, he was the owner of Overtime Broiler and Tap Room. And of course, overtime uh, where nobody goes home until somebody scores. Uh, that's that's about as good as it gets. But Sandy's really into rugby, and so I got into rugby when I used to frequent uh, that location uh, throughout much of the early 2000s back in the day. And we've said it once; we'll say it a hundred times when it comes to soccer versus rugby. Soccer is a gentleman sport played by hooligans. Rugby is a hooligan sport played by gentlemen very rare when you see players in rugby second guess an official's call it's uh, frowned upon and i think those of you that watch international soccer are at times disgusted at the disrespect shown towards officials from some of the top players in the world and how they get right in the grill of the refs and it's just oh man i i that's it's the thing that i despise the most in soccer and i think soccer is a hell of a sport european soccer is fantastic to watch I'm, I'm not the sorry i'm not the biggest fan of uh you know the the lower levels in north america but when you're when you're watching champions league even without even without fans it's pretty good all right uh when we come back in orders now it's currently 123 brendan escott myself will take a trip into the orders now prospect report for james h brown you're listening to oilers now subscribe to the oilers now podcast available on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your podcast oilers now with bob stoffer on 630 chat Speaking of podcasts, uh, Brendan, you get the each half hour slugged up there once it's completed. Is that correct? More or less. Yep. You're, well, you're doing a good job of that. We had 250,000 plus individual downloads uh, of the show. Now, that is outside of the daily listenership of the show, uh, which is the traditional uh, broadcast uh, measures, uh, the people meters numbers that we get provided four times a year. But I know in the month of October, over 250,000 individual downloads to Oilers Now. So, Brendan, uh, you're helping make that happen. So thank you very much. And thank you to everybody that's listening uh, over the air and also via podcast as well to the Oilers Prospect Report for James H. Brown, Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, of course, a great cup champion with the now known as the EE football team. In 1993, was a CFL All-Star safety, uh, reinvented himself a bit. He was a corner 
at uh, the U of A and ended up playing safety and uh, beefed up to play uh, safety at the CFL. Was a heck of a player. Uh, so when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. So give us the Oilers prospect report if you can, Brendan. Absolutely. You mentioned yesterday, yes, Yarvi was on the ice with Carpat in the Liga. He scored again. That brings him to six goals in nine games there. William Legison of the new two-year contract extension is working in the Allsvenskan right now. Uh, he's uh, seen 11 games and three goals, six helpers there. That's good enough for second in team scoring. Joachim Nygaard back in the Swedish Hockey League with Farstad as he tries to get back to full health and up to game speed. He's got a helper in five games there. Gaetan Haas went back to the top Swiss League. He's got a goal in six. And Ryan McLeod is also playing in that same league. Five points in seven games for the youngster. Yeah, Ryan McLeod, uh, I got him penciled in for the team. For the start of the 21-22 season, I think he needs another year in the minors. Uh, but he's right now he's in the in the Swiss, Swiss league. He's actually outperforming uh, Gaetan Haas. So the thing about McLeod is he's big, he's raw, and he can skate, and uh, he just needs to get in the guts of the game. Uh, Haas doesn't kill you when he was on the ice. Did a decent job last year for the Oilers. All right, you can text us at any time at the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Here we go. Ken says, Bob, the thing I hate the most about soccer is the injury faking, light touch and no touch, and the guy goes down, rides around like he's been shot, then is perfectly fine after getting the call. Well, wasn't there a a meme of uh, Neymar, the star uh, Brazilian? Yes, uh, from the 20, what year's world? 2016. Was it 2016 or 20, when was the last World Cup? Now I got to think. Okay, twenty eight. It was it would have been twenty eighteen because Germany won in twenty fourteen. France won in twenty eighteen. Uh, Bob, in your point about soccer, I find it way worse now with VAR. So that's the video. Literally everything is contested now. I feel like the refs are losing control of the games much sooner. Uh, that text comes into us from Patar. You know, my again, I, I I think you should respect the officials. Now I get frustrated once in a while. Hockey is a very difficult game to officiate uh, because of the speed factor, and the Oilers have the biggest anomaly in the league in that regard, and that is because they've got Connor McDavid. But I don't think you should be content like every time there's a foul called in soccer. Not every time, but a lot of the time, the guy who runs up right away gets in the ref's face. There's jostling. It just, I think it looks really really bad uh this text comes in saying bob i was lucky enough to attend south africa versus france international rugby game in cape town in 2008 it was an amazing experience uh to see south africans of all com- uh, colors come together to support their team and as many of you know uh, they won the world cup in 1995 there was a movie about that with matt damon and uh speaking of south have you watched the thing on uh, pastorius brennan at all on tsn man it's good I want to. I haven't yet, but it, it yeah. looks like all, 30 for 30s are all great, whether you know the story or not. No, I know. They're, they're so well produced. Bob, is there a date set for training camp? No, there is not. Uh, to my knowledge, there has not been a date set for training camp. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we might be looking at January 7th or January 8th and maybe dropping the puck on the 21st. Time will tell in that regard. Well, when we come back, we'll get some clarity on George LaRock and Mike Tyson after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. 
We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms. <laughs> 